You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. What's up? What'd man? you guys think of our oh, intro? Oh my God, it's awesome. That was an intro. Dude, that is. I'm jacked. Yeah. I know. I'm pumped up now. Yeah, but I close my eyes. I'm like. Are we in a studio? Right? Yeah. Where's my coffee? Where's my coffee? Am I watching a commercial right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Sounds like the John Deere guy. Because it, it is, is the John it Deere is guy. The John Deere Jeff, guy. Jeff Williams, Amarillo, Texas, did our voiceover. And I want to give a shout out to the guy who did our music. He was a prior guest, Grant, who we met at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Yeah. Dude, that's solid. And uh, we sent him the voiceover, and he put some music together for us. His Instagram handle is good old G. Good old G. And he has one that's good old G music, if you want to listen to some his, of his uh, some of his stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's a stand-up dude. He did that for us. So thank you, Grant. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Dude, got feels, man. This is like awesome. that, it, like just listening to that, like yeah. you and now chills. you know you've made it when you get your own we, proprietary. Guys, let's go. We, man. we have a secret too. There's an outro, so you guys will have to listen to and the it's end. It's totally different than the intro. Yeah, it's different. So you'll have to wait. Dude, I'm chat. Like I want to go fishing now. Like I want to go outside know, now. Right? I'm gonna go find some flies in my floorboard. Yeah, like why is it so late? Like I wanna go I don't even have a truck, but I bet I got some flies somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Pick it off the floor, go catch yeah, a Guadalupe bass. Right. Yeah. Either go fishing, I mean, go fishing or, or find a chupacabra or something. Like I'm just like yeah, jacked to yeah. just do something. I mean, technically all my flies are in my honey hole fly patch on the back of my Jeep. Oh. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about our sponsor yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's just segue right into yeah. it. And it felt natural, you know? We actually have a lot of those. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, that's a honey hole angling fly patch you can stick it to your cooler to your boat to your vehicle and stick flies to it and it's in a bourbon brown color a bourbon brown bourbon brown we did that on purpose we did because it was the only color available <laughs> 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 but you didn't hear that but from you didn't me. hear that <laughs> from us nope. gabe what drink did you make for us today we start so i've been following a guy i i, I forgot i don't even have my my uh my instagram up at the moment but uh i feel like it was like dirty drinks or Dirty Group or something like that. It's got a funny name on Instagram. And what he does is people send him uh, recipes, like quick little drink recipes, usually like two items, an alcohol and like a mixture of some sort, whether it be like pineapple juice or Coke or whatever. And so one that he put up recently was um, someone uh, with with a new movie coming out of Jurassic Dominion, Jurassic uh, World Dominion, uh, Doctor Pepper, Jurassic Mars. <laughs> no, uh, right? Why are they not on the moon yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, they they released a like dark berry uh, soda to to coincide with the movie, and so we had a bird dog flavored blackberry whiskey with this Doctor Pepper uh, dark 
cherry or dark berry drink. I could not find this stupid can. And so I got, I don't even know what, what, uh, Berry cherry Virgils. Virgils cherry wine or cherry soda and Zach brought up a good point. It was okay. It tasted like a lot of like cough syrup, but we it think was very syrupy. Very syrupy, and so we believe the issue is is that the soda has lost its carbonation. I probably bought a bad batch of soda. So you think if it was the actual Dr Pepper, it would be the fizziness? I think the fizziness on it and not being so syrupy might have helped. Yeah, because I wasn't a fan. No, you're right. I mean, it was. But I think you could mix that with any kind of Coke, Dr Pepper, even Sprite. It'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The fizziness, though. And that's what we didn't have until it yeah. tastes like cough syrup. But we all kind of mentioned, like, I handed one over to Zach, and he tasted it, and he's like, okay, well, we need to put the alcohol in here. And I'm like, no, dude, it's already mixed. So it's it's weird. And that was the one thing in this in this Instagram this guy was saying. is like, you can't taste the alcohol, which I don't know is good or bad, but um, definitely. And the, the bird dog, and he was only like 80, 80 proof. Uh, but it is our summer of mixing series, so we've decided to try some different items. If summer you will. mixing, yeah. summer of mixing. I feel like that needs its own soundbite. Yeah, exactly. So you know, so don't trash on us that we're not drinking high end stuff this evening. But that's okay. Well, you know what? I'm gonna make a little ukulele intro for the summer of mixing. Summer I feel like of that mixing. feels like a like a summer of mixing. Yeah, kind of like kind of sound. ukulele yeah. and the sound of like the water, like you know, hitting the the the, Ooh, the, the beach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm exactly. gonna do that. I'll but that. R- regardless, like it. it I can see where it would have been good, but yes, that was the issue that we figured was the problem. Is that there is the it is not carbonated; it's lost its it's lost its fizz. So after moving from that, Zach brought over some Ranch Rider Spirits Co. Tequila Paloma, and this is actually very very good. Yeah, and for it being like 120 degrees outside, I could see where I could drink this. It's 100 degrees every day this week. It, it was. Yeah. It's 103 at seven o'clock at night. Yeah, it's miserable. Yeah, it's it's it has been rough. No. Um. And so, regardless, this is delicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. these Ranch Rider good. spirits are. They have like five different flavors now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never tried one, but I was there the other day. Last day of my job for a couple months, and I was like, "What am I going to try?" And uh, and I got some of these, and yeah, it's and it's actual tequila in here too. Because a lot of times, reposado. So again, going back to our previous episodes, not blanco. This is a reposado that's in this here. Yeah, like I mean, like I'm into it. You know. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, it's four for like thirteen bucks, which is seems to be on par with most of those kind of like mixed drinks in a can, uh, prices, but. Yeah, I'm into it. I like you it. You also got the yellow Yeti. Dude, I'm into this yellow color. I am too. That the that Normally Yeti yellow's done. not my thing, but when I see their yellow, it I'm makes like, me want to go camping or do I'm something like, like that. That yellow is clean. Right. I got this and I got the little um you know the little like water bottle holder thing they make? Yep. Yep. So I got the big version of that because I've been doing like I've been fishing a lot and been doing it pretty that's like simple. Mm-hmm. So like I'll bring my little Yeti sidekick and I'll bring that strap thing with my water ball in it, yeah. and that's all I bring. And it's been great not having to have, like, a million things with me. Nice. Um, you know. Yeah, that's good. that's great. My goal is to fish at least once a week all summer long. And so far, I'm four for four. So Nice. Must be nice. Zach, <laughs> let's <laughs> so far. For, for a show that we don't have a guest, we have a lot to cover today. A lot. It's it's busy. I mean, Zach, start of summer, it's getting hot. I mean, exactly. I got, I got so much going on every day, guys. Before <laughs> you tell us about your fishing story, uh-huh. 
I will mention that our movie review that we just recorded was for Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. So you'll have to go over to Field and Streaming to our other podcast and listen to that. Yeah. So we cover the original Top Gun and, and Top Gun Maverick. Maverick. And I talk about my weird movie of the week. Weird movie of the week. Crimes <laughs> of the future. Not to be confused with Minority Report. <laughs> Not to be. <laughs> Not different, different movie. Different movie. Different movie. <laughs> it was the old office thing. It was like, I was watching 28 weeks and waiting for Sandra Bullock to come over to cover a game. <laughs> oh, 20 weeks later, 28 weeks later. Yeah. yeah. All right, Zach. Tell us about, you went fishing on Sunday. Tell us about it. I did. We. Uh, I did not go to my honey hole. Okay. Can I try a different spot? Cool. Where'd you go? Um, still on the guad. Where's the place? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still, still quad, but just a different different location. Um, Sunday was the last day where it was not a hundred, and so we were able to go. And I know we have a lot of traveling coming up too, so I was like, "Hey, let's go fish." Uh, it was slower than our honey hole. Um, we caught a couple of panfish, and it kind of slowed down. And because the spot we went to did not have really any moving water at all, mm-hmm. and so for um, like, the bass were not out because it was so hot. Like, there was no place for them to kind of get anything coming to them. Uh, we found this tiny little ripple, and Kendall pulled out a nice quad. So she did catch a bass there. And then um, that was kind of it. We're kind of walking back, and I'm fi- and then, like, on our way back, I hit that ripple. And it's got, like, a deep pool right after it. And we've been seeing this thing that's probably maybe, like, 16 inches long, you know, swimming around, and it's kind of flashing. And so, uh, Kendall's like, oh, like, I'm going to catch, I think that's a bass, I think it's a bass. And I never, like, got a clear view. I just saw something kind of flashing at the bottom. So, I hook into something big. I'm like, oh, this is big. And my fly wasn't at the bottom. It was, like, kind of near, like, mid to upper water column. Okay. And not, like, not like with your, your lunch money getting it locked. You knew you had something on this. Yeah. It was something on, for <laughs> sure. And, actually, it was a brunch money. There you go. It was a brunch, brunch money. money. Uh, that pink brunch money, guys. Which I have a sad story about that. But oh, no. Anyways. Oh, no. Your last oh, one. Oh, my God. Here yeah. we go. So, anyway, so I'm fighting that, fighting it. And Kendall's like, I'm kind of mad you caught that big bass. And I'm like, I don't think this is a bass. Like, I think it's a catfish. And I, I, I hate catching catfish. I don't know why. <laughs> I just do. I'm not a catfish fan. It's like a waste of my time. They're fun to fight for a little bit, but then as they come in, I'm like, I just don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to deal with taking them off. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't know why. Which it's, I don't know why. It's like their whole mouth is just cartilage. Right. And I, I feel like when I've gotten, <laughs> that's a Euro nymphor who catches a lot of, <laughs> a lot of catfish, <laughs> I, I just, I, it's not hard. It shouldn't be as hard of a fish to take off your hook than you think it is. Like, right. I always feel like, oh, I got one on. Now i got to be careful with getting stuck. And, which, yeah. it never happens. Like, no, I, know, I, I don't, don't know, know anybody who's been stuck. stuck. Right. But it's like, oh, you got to watch out for those barbs. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, and half the time I have to remind myself where the barbs even are, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, so that was the, the little cat that I caught, you know. Oh, that's just still nice. That's yeah. still a good oh, size. It's still man. a good size fish. He fought well. It was fun. And I only had my three weight, too, so he was definitely fun on that. Um, but... I don't know if you guys can see what fly does the catfish have. The pink brunch money. Yeah, pink brunch. Does that look like a fly that can really be fished again? No. It looks like a glob of materials. It's pretty trash, but I will say, and I've seen this. I have one ordered. I haven't gotten it yet. Loon has a brush. It almost looks like a a lice brush, if you will, Uh um, that looks like a really good option to have in in your box to just brush it out and hopefully bring it back together. But yeah, that fly looks dead. It is. It it 
even with a brush, what happened is the, um, I guess when I was fighting it, he was working and flipping and flopping that he actually like pushed the, the base, like right where the bend of the hook is. He pushed that material. And so it started to unravel from the base. Oh. Yeah. And, um, so I lost my favorite fly. Dude, you should retire it. You should retire it. I like, put it back in my box. I didn't make like a little shadow box. You should for make it. a shadow box for yeah. it. And put it on the put it on the wall of fame. Right. Yeah. Because then I look, I went to uh, Matt's website and he says he's no longer tying right now. So. Oh, period. Well, just because of the move, he's like, "There's no like, oh, I'm going to start tying again by this date," you know. So we call it a, so brunch money or lunch money. So. Lunch money is the perfect size for me. Brunch money is a size down. Uh, so sorry. Lunch money is the bigger fly. Okay. It's like a like a four, like a size four, a two or a four, two or four, and a brunch money is like a size six, six or, or an eight. eight. Okay. And the brunch monies are the perfect size for the quad, especially if you're waiting. If you're in a boat, the br- uh, lunch money is great. Yeah. But the brunch being that just like a tiny bit smaller, it's just like oh, I can get some nice bigger panfish. You can catch. Yeah. Uh, a catfish. Apparently, you can catch a catfish, which I'm like. On that hook, is it is it a, a thicker wire or is it a B10s? Just thicker. I think it's. I think it. I think it's. I don't think he uses the B10s. Although I could be wrong, Matt. If you're listening, you can correct us. Right. Yeah, but, but it's, it's a, a B10, similar. It's a B10s stinger style stinger, stinger hook. hook. Yes, with like a little bit longer. Okay. Yeah, uh, and a pretty wide gap. Yeah, because yeah. I've I've tied I've tied I've tied those. The, and I'm still trying to figure out his the the recipe on the front laser dub because I always feel like you either it's hard to it, get the right amount it's hard to yeah. get the right amount because then because then that'll mess up your yeah. you'll it'll tilt on you or, or fish right sideways, sideways or yeah upside down. I've only a guy that's tied thousands of them knows yeah, the right, right, right amount, amount. Yeah. And <laughs> I've, I've watched this mo- I've watched like he has several videos that he's done for like at, either for a group or, or for a fly shop, for a fly shop. Yeah. and I've watched them all and he's just like and I've tried to count and look and it's just like it's just touch me too it's I've been touch. trying I have I have stacks of Pink laser dubbing at home and white laser dubbing. It's just, it never comes out. Yeah. You know, the way it's supposed to. So it looks cool. They look great. But then oh, as soon as you're fishing, it's like, talk about it's a confidence not moving fly. Right. It's not moving right. Yeah. Talk about a confidence fly. Pink brunch money all day long. But um, so at least I didn't lose it in a tree. I would rather, I would rather have a fish destroy a fly and oh. that be the last thing that fly sees. Rather than being stuck at the bottom of the lake. How many fish did you think you caught on that fly? On that fly? Uh, who knows? Yeah. You know, I, honestly. Um, a lot. No, a lot. Was, was there Over a, 50 or under 50? Uh, I'd probably say 40 to 50. Okay. So uh, was there a reason why you picked pink? Because pink works, dude. No, no, I get pink works, but it, was it just like you just stumbled onto it? I've or? never really seen people. a lot of people fish pink. Yeah. You know, it's not one people talk about. People are always talking about chartreuse or black or natural, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was at the fly shop, and I was like, I'm going to get a couple pink. You and get them in Orvis? Yeah. You know why we ha- they ha- we had pink why? brunch monies? Because pink is the best color brunch money. And I, and I ordered them. Yeah. But people don't buy them that often. Well, that's their fault. I ordered them. No, I know. Because I've all my best bass have been on pink, pink yeah. brunch monies. I know. Yeah. But I feel like I, I feel like I, I kind of started we're giving that away trend. the secret. I started that trend a little bit. You started the trend. A little I started bit. the. Pink. You've been the most vocal about it. I did, and I told you because I don't think you fished pink before. I really was like, hey, do the pinks work? Because there for a while, I had like I caught some nice bass on pink brunch money there for a while. It was just like, I mean, in. yeah, it becomes it it 
I've got flies like that where you just a stretch for whatever reason. It's like you just know. You just know you're going to get something. You're going to get something good. Yep. And then when you run out of them, you move to something else. And then that one, for whatever reason, becomes, man, your go-to one. Speaking yeah. of flies, Nate sent us a question. Ooh, we okay. opened our poll again. Let's do it. He asked, drunken disorderly or sex dungeon? Sex yeah, dungeon. I got to look it up at drunken disorderly again. They look very similar. They're very similar flies. I think I haven't pulled up here, Zach, if you want to take a look. Drunken disorderly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or sex dungeon. Go back to the old. What were we talking about for? I guess if you had a preference. Yeah, the, the front head is just whatever. I mean, it really looks like the, the main difference is the, the drunken disorderly. Isn't that like flat topped? Yeah. I like the drunken disorderly better because say, of the flat top head. Because if you get in the current, it really pushes it down. down. Yeah. Also, looks like it has more kind of like legs, kind of popping off of it. Although, too. if we're going off name, sex dungeon. Sex dungeon. I think everybody. Yeah. It's right. the front of all fly fishing memes. And it's yeah, exactly. It's the one that once you hear it, everybody remembers it. Yeah. But I'd, I'd have to say good. drunken disorderly because I like that flat head. Yeah. And if you can get some water to push it, it literally it's shaped to where it pushes it. Yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you you've definitely done more fishing in those types of streams than I, I. I just don't see it right now as much down here in Texas. You know who we need to ask is Zach Harris. Zach Harris, yeah, because he likes tying articulated streamers and fishing. But up. Zach Harris does not fish anymore, so I've heard. Womp, womp. Although he sent in a new real recovery application, even though he didn't need to. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, well, Zach, good. if you're listening to this, which you're probably love not. you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Let's go hang out. Yeah, come on the show. Come on the podcast. We don't have to fish. Talk about your fishing. Talk about your fishing retirement. Sorry, yeah, talk about your fishing retirement. <laughs> yes, that would, we, we, yeah. we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you retire? Why'd you retire? We want to yeah. know. We can just listen to Screamo together. You do what? <laughs> we can just listen to Screamo together. We can. No, that me and you, me and Zach. Oh well, yeah, knock yourselves out. Yeah, y'all have fun. <laughs> y'all have fun. So Zach, back to you. You are in the market for a new fly rod. Yes. So talk us talk yeah. us through what okay. you're looking thinking. For we'll give you so, we'll give you advice. Yes. I do not have a five weight. Okay. Wait. I, well, okay. What do you have? Right I have now? a fiberglass five weight, okay. which I love that rod. Okay. However, that rod is limited to some longer distance and, okay. and other things like that, right? It's not the best stream rod. I use it for I use it for any, anything, okay. you know. I can cast it pretty well. But um, there's some things it's not. Like, I have to kind of know where I'm fishing to bring that rod. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be the rod. I would just grab my my fiberglass five weight and be like, I don't know what the day is going to hold, but this is going to get me through it, you know. What what other rods do you have in okay, your So I have a three weight. Three. Uh, it's a eight foot three weight. Okay, whatever. Three. Right. I have a... Nine foot six weight. Six. The six. three F, so it's the the finesse. Okay, three six. Uh I have the eight weight. Okay. And I have a nine weight. Okay. So you And I have my rare rod. So you've got you've got you've got this oh, weird yeah. hole that you're trying to fill. Right. And so okay, also I do have a clear water five weight, but technically that's Kindles and I don't really use no, it. No, fair enough. That's because right. like yeah. I gave it okay. to her. It is her rod. I do not use it. You know. So what what would you in your mind? What do you want this five weight to be for you? I want this to be a rod that's like like I'm going to Tennessee tomorrow. Okay, right. I want this to be the rod that I'm going to grab and be like, this will cover me in almost any situation. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't want it to break the bank. I want it to be kind of middle of the road. You know, I want it to be a good rod, mm-hmm. but kind of an all around can kind of cover everything, you know. Okay. So what rods have you been looking at? So I've been looking at a few, um, a few like TFO, just because they're based out of Texas uh, and they have a really good um, exchange policy and everything. But um, looking at 10 foot mm-hmm. versus a 9 foot, Maybe because I have that six weight, maybe a four weight, mm-hmm. but also they there's a couple like of like uh, they have the blue ribbon which I like, but it's a medium fast action. They have the Axiom Two, which is like a like a fast action, and they have the Axiom Two X, which is a super fast action, but they have that in a five weight. And so it's super mm-hmm. cool, but also I feel like because it's that extra, like super fast or extreme fast or whatever they're calling yeah. it, I feel like that limits on all the stuff you can use it for. Remind me, Landon, on the Axioms, I thought when they first came out, you were looking at a rod that was more so in the, you were looking to have it in your, like your 8 or your 9 or your 10 because it was like a deadlifting rod. Definitely. Not, right? Not necessarily being on the lower spectrum of a 5 or 6. You were getting that rod to do... Maybe off the jetties or a little. I a think little the deeper. Axiom Two Pro was it? The Axiom Two and the Axiom Two X. They X. they yes. don't go down to threes. They go down right. Uh, the to I think the X is that the, rod. Is that, okay, the X is that rod. But, but I was looking at. I am looking at an Axiom Two in the. No, you're looking at two X in the saltwater five. In the saltwater five, yeah. Right. Because both the Axiom and the or Axiom Two and the Two X are made with that. Um, they have a Kevlar lining in the blank. Yeah. And so, like you said, it helps with that fight. And that's what also gives it that power to, to move. To it, pop it to, up. Especially yeah. to move, like, bigger streamers and stuff. Yeah. Um, But I guess the main thing is... I mean, it might not be a hole you need. I mean, in, in all reality, you have a six already. I know. I have a four. And I struggle with that, too, because as much there's a lot of times on the quad where I would like to have that five right. to throw a little heavier to really get out there a little bit more. But I realized in in the last rod I got was a six-weight uh, Reddington Vice. Right. And I've really come to really like that rod. Right. In casting, in, in just the feel, the balance, I really liked it. But I could see where other ones... Uh, would would give you a little bit more sniff, stiffness and especially be able to transition to using it on the coast if you wanted right. to. Well, I think too. Like well, so, like I, I I took a buddy out and he got just like a standard five weight and I was kind of casting it for him to kind of show him. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, I kind of like this. You yeah. know, like it's I bring my three out sometimes. That's fun, but that's very limited on what on as far as like casting. What Not you if throw. you're me and you throw game changers game on changers, it. Game changers, yeah. yeah. And you're, the spiral spooks. But if yeah. I asked you to throw it, you know. Fifty feet, you probably couldn't. No, no, yeah, absolutely yeah. Not. I mean, the vast majority of the time, I've got I've got a four weight Z axis, uh, Sage Z axis, which is right. one the first rod that I splurged on. Yeah, and I've come to the realization that is they're cool. Sage's got cool stuff, mm-hmm. and the and any any rod over eight hundred dollars is cool, nice, feels fantastic. Oh yeah, but it's amazing some of the stuff like Reddington and TFO that you can get in that first cast. You're like. It's, it's nice. I know. That's the thing. So, like, I was casting that five weight. I was like, you know, and it got me thinking. I have this whole of not having a five weight. My 6F or 3F is, it's kind of almost a five weight. Yeah, but not. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. It's not, it's not a five weight. It's know, a six weight. Exactly. And um, and I love that rod. But also, like, I've fished that rod on, like, smaller creeks. And 
it does not do that well because it's a six way. It's not supposed to do that, you yeah, know. Yeah. It was, but it was the rod I had. So that's the rod I fished, you know. Um, well, let me run you through my quiver. Okay. So I have a fiberglass three weight. Yep. Which is like my small creaking cool. rod. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a two weight, but uh, fun story about that. Uh, the two weight. I have a Orvis Superfine two weight dated in nineteen eighty two. Oh, that's Sweet. cool. I bought it. Uh, I bought it from uh, an estate sale, and. Uh, that is the, uh, from my research, I found it's the original two weight that Orvis's Superfine line in 1982. They first came out with a two weight at that point. Oh, so that's mine's cool. geared to 1982 and is the OG two weight. But I don't fish it that much just because it's, if it breaks, Orvis won't have the parts. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I have that two weight. I have a fiberglass three weight, I have a 10 foot four weight which is one of my favorite rods. Yep. And that is my dedicated, like, trout rod for the most part. Nice. Um, I Especially nymphing, but it's not a Euro-nymphing rod. Yeah, it's not a Euro-nymphing it rod. is not a Euro-nymphing rod. It's just a 10-foot four-weight regular rod. And I like it because the four-weight protects, the tip protects your tippet right. because you have an extra foot. You mm-hmm. feel like you're fighting with a six-weight, so you have more power. And that rod casts beautifully, that's and awesome. the extra foot gives you the reach, but it's very specific. Mm-hmm. I grab that rod in specific instances. So to your question, is should I get a 10-foot? Uh, no. Okay, so you do think 9. I would go with a 9 because that rod, I love it, but it's a scenario-specific rod. And if you're looking for a rod to be like, I'm going to go to Tennessee and I want to take a rod, that would, if you don't know what you're doing, I wouldn't grab that rod. Right, because like I've looked at the 10-weights too, and it's like if I was in a boat, fantastic. If I am... Uh, nymphing the quad, great rod. Yeah, you know, but like you said, it wouldn't be the first one. And if I'm in a place where I have a lot of overhanging trees, because like, I'm fishing smaller creeks, that rod would not yep. perform at all. I have a Helios Five F, mm-hmm. which is my like what you're looking for in a rod. Yeah, I go on the Smith River. That's the rod I take. I'm traveling, and I'm going freshwater fishing, may you know for trout, or if I'm like hitting smaller bass. That's the rod I'm taking. But, like, if I'm traveling somewhere and it's a trout fishing trip, that is the rod I'm grabbing 100%. Because Maybe I save up for a 5F. Because, because like, I do love my Helios. And it's a medium-fast action rod, which I like. And, like, I take it to a place, like, I've fished it in Montana a couple of times, and it's windy there, and I can get I can cast that rod in the wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really like that rod. Um, then I have I have two saltwater six weights, okay. which I use for bass rods. Yeah, one hundred percent throwing bigger flies, fishing for bigger bass. Um, I fish them a lot in the hill country, kind of like you fish the three F. But on smaller rivers, it's it's kind of tough. And yeah, then I have uh, eight, I have an eight ten twelve weight. Yeah, for you know big stuff. And I've I've dealt with the dilemma that you think you're in, but you're really not. No, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just because it's, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to it's nice to be able to pull in, in that. And, and then the issue becomes like, man, you got, you got such a variation that it's like you, you take it and then you realize you're still short, you're still, still a shortcoming of something you want to do. And I, right. and I've, I'm running into this issue now because when I, when I started, um, you know, the, it was just like a dogwood Canyon five weight, which is fine. I don't even know what I did with it. And then I, 
got that uh, that z-axis, that four-weight z-axis, because as much as a lot of people were telling me, hey, look, at three-weight's fun on the quad, four-weight's a little bit better, and that way kind of gives you a little bit of mix. But I still feel like if you ask 10 people, you're going to get 11 different responses right. on what, what rod they like to throw. You know what you should do, Zach? I'm just going to tell you what you should do. Uh-huh. You should cut the five-weight glass out of your lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I know you said you love that rod. I love that rod, but, but you should get like move that five weight glass to a four weight glass. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, but then, but the, you get your proper five. I know, I know, but I know. Then you Theoretically, your, then I would take my five, yeah. give it the four weight glass, and then get a true five weight. So, so that's I, a lot of moving around rods. I, I've got that four. I've got a three weight Euro Nymph. Uh, competition um, from Cortland. We Cortland know you Euro Nymph Gabe. You it don't have to amazing. point it out in every it conversation. <laughs> it's the first rule of Euro Nymphing is telling everyone that you Euro Yeah, of course. Um, and then I've got... Have uh, you guys heard about veganism? <laughs> <laughs> then I've got a six-weight vice, which I just got. Yep. And on top of that, I've got a six-weight micro-spay or a three-micro-spay, which is actually a six-weight. Mm-hmm. That's a range to Claymore. And then uh, eight weights, uh, XI three Sage XI three, uh-huh. and I'm still debating about now jumping and getting a higher, uh, higher lined uh, uh, spay rod specifically for for surf fishing. Yeah. So, but I feel like when we go, I'm stuck on. Do I take the six weight or do I take the four? Because I know you can throw heavier stuff on that. But six see, if, if you had a five, then you'd be you like, you need oh. a five in your quiver. Right. And that's the yeah. thing is you need a five. The only five quiver. I have is a fiberglass five, which I, it's still my, it's realistically a four. Yeah. And a that's, fiber. and that's why I have it is because yeah. it arguably, it is my panfish rod. It's also a short rod, right? It's yeah, only it's eight, six. Foot. Oh, okay. is it eight, six. It might be eight Fine. foot or eight, six. It's one of the two, but yeah. it's either, um, I use it for like panfish or smaller bass, or I use it for small. It's a, it's a fantastic small creek yeah. uh, rod, and I've even done some nymph rigs on it, and it works really well. Yeah. You know, um, obviously, like that rod is made for dries, and it is perfect when throwing dries. But uh, you can't always catch fish on dries. So even as a nymph rod, the, oh, the, I've heard people catching nice bass on Adam size sixteens. What? Yeah. We not, no, no, we've, 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 yeah, we've yeah, we we're talking about. There's one store I've been to where they only got uh, oh, the fly only shop works. The only fly that works is a 16 parachute out. That's parachute it. Out. Parachute That's out. That's it. You don't need another fly. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So Zach, what you need realistically, you need a five weight and you need a a, a nine foot medium weight. fast, not a super fast. Okay. I would not buy like so, a super fast rod. So I get a medium there's fast. there's then there's two options I'm looking at. I like the blue ribbon. TFO Blue Ribbon. Okay. It is a medium fast, and I like they. They also have the Lefty Cray Legacy, the OK Legacy. It's a newer rod, okay. but it is a little bit faster of a rod. So, my only thing is, a lot of my rods are medium fast. They're little, you know, they're a little bit slower. So, would getting that fast five kind of well, but then line I, is going to be an option too that could affect totally that. change it. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Get I would save your fast rods for, for like, like your salt rods for like six and up. Yeah, but it's also personal preference. You like casting factors and rods, but when you're in a short distance, it's hard to load a fast action rod. Then you have to like play with oversizing your line and, and a, doing this other stuff to get your rod to load. And a slow or like a medium fast rod will still cast far. If you know what you're doing, yeah, it may not be as accurate, but you can still get some distance out of it. You know, 
to land this with the nine or the ten foot that you have, you know, you know that that's a weapon of choice when you're going to, you know, a trout fishery. Oh yeah, you, you know, you know that that thing I'm going to be hammered in. I I I'm running into issues where you got those stretches of water, especially the one I took you guys at, where mm-hmm. it's like you saw the differences. You saw where. Euronym could work, but then as we got further down the river, it's like it, it wasn't it wasn't the the tool. And then you got to some areas where, man, you really need that six to really get to the other side, you know, because you're you're floating your hat just right. across the river to get closer. So, it, you know, like anything else, you're not going to be a happy medium, right? But that five and what Landon's saying, I totally agree with, yeah. is that you know, knowing that you're traveling and going to other places, that that right. could be the best answer. Short of getting multiple rods and packing and deciding what you're going to throw. Yeah, I've just, I've thought about this. I've spent too much time thinking about this the last couple and of days. my answer to you, like I've already said, I have a, and it's a nice rod, and I, I know it's a nice rod, but I work for Orvis, so I got a <laughs> discount. That helps. Uh, so not everyone's able to do this. But um, actually how I got this rod, you guys actually want, you want to hear the story about yeah, how I got the 5F? Where, that's okay. what I'm here. Okay, that's why I'm here. Hear stories. So I got this rod because we were we donated to the Devil's River Conservancy. Okay. We had Julie on the podcast. It's actually one of our most listened to podcasts. If you haven't heard it, and you want to hear about the Devil's River and the Conservancy, go back and listen to that episode. But Julie had asked us for a donation when I was at the shop. We donated a Helios outfit to their banquet, which is like a twelve hundred dollar outfit. Donna and I go and. There's, like, tons of free drinks. We go to the banquet. They have tons of, like, great auction items, like trips. Muhammad Ali signed boxing gloves, Sweet. all this great sports memorabilia. Like, one of the cool, like, I couldn't afford any of it. And and there was, like, hundreds of people there, and everyone was bidding on stuff. So we're drinking, having a good time, and we come up to the Orphus thing. And this was, like, right at the beginning. We come up to the Orphus outfit. I'm, I'm going to get the bidding. I'm going to get the bidding started with 500 bucks. So I put my name down. $500. I don't even look at it again for the end of the night <laughs> until the end of the night. And uh, I get a text message after the event's over. I was like, oh, you won the Helios outfit. Please come <laughs> and pay and pick up your outfit. And I was like, oh, crap. I did not actually think. That and I, if you ask Donna, she would tell you the same thing. Like, I was not expecting to win. The only thing I can say is that it wasn't placed in a good location. It was, like, kind of in a corner. And they had so much stuff packed on every table that it was kind that of hard. you could kind of miss it. So that's what I'm thinking happened, or maybe just someone didn't want to bid on it. I don't yeah. know, but I ended up walking away with that rod. That's a that's a good deal. Yeah, it was a good deal. Yeah. So anyway. at first, were you kind of freaking out? Like I, at first, I was freaking out. I was like, oh shoot, <laughs> shoot! I drank too and much. That was the best. Yeah. And now it's like ever. my favorite. Like I I take that rod if I know I'm doing yeah. fresh water. You just need a tried and true five weight, right? Yeah, I, I've had an issue come up like that where we were at uh, we we're at Cabela's and went went into the the bargain bin and they had a C the CGR the fiberglass. Oh rock. yeah, the Cabela's dude CGR. It was like thirty bucks in there, and it was a four weight. And I looked at it, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know How much are they normally? These are like a hundred and twenty or something. No, yeah, they're like forty to sixty. No, I thought they're a little the bit Cabela's more expensive. fiberglass. The CGR, yeah, I thought it was at least uh, let's say eighty. Let's, let's okay, put yeah, the difference eighty, fine. right? Yeah. Regardless, this thing was like cheap. Yeah. And a buddy of mine was with me and he he I was like, "Ah, dude, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't have like I have 40 bucks. I don't I don't know I can spend 40 bucks on this." And he's like, "Okay, well then I'm going to buy it." So he buys it. So he, when we go fishing together, he's like, "Oh, look, look what I got." <laughs> 
And it's a. It was one of those where I was like, should have bought the damn yeah, thing. Yeah. Because those CGRs have good reviews. Like people like them. Yeah. And for for how cheap it was, oh, I'm like, yeah. oh man, I'm just kicking it. myself for not yet. Yeah. So he reminds me every time we go. But that's at least it worked out for you, Landon, that you were able to. I, I would be like, man, I didn't want to spend. This is like that's two hundred dollars more than I wanted to spend for a. But it's a fundraiser, and then now it looking back on it, it benefited him, and it was like better deal than my discount. Right, better yeah. do, your, do your discount. But it, but I'm sure you feel you. I'm sure there's like at least ninety percent of you was like, yeah, I'm not gonna get it. Someone's gonna put their name oh, on it. I was like ninety nine percent sure because yeah, yeah, I did literally the minimum bid, yeah. and every like everyone is out there bidding yeah. on stuff. Like and four, I was like, yeah, four or five. But now yeah. it's your it's your money maker. There you go. So okay, would a fast five act similar similarly to a medium medium fast six? No. You still think they'd be different? Yeah, because yeah. the six weight, you're still literally throwing heavier line. Yeah. Right. So like if if I had like a like a faster five weight, it would not be the same thing as throwing my But I don't six. think you'd be happy with a truly fast five weight. I know. Because yeah. if my, you're tried and true rods. other rods are slower. Because so. then you're also going to have to make sure it's just like golf. Like you, you got nice golf clubs. You probably want to hit good golf balls. You don't want to hit top rocks. So you're going to want to line that correctly. And and you deal with that. I just think that. if you're if you're going to Tennessee and I s- picture smaller rivers in Tennessee, yeah. And you're a fish. You have a nine foot leader, and then you may be making a twenty foot cast. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to be able to load that rod with right. such little line. Yeah, yeah. That and I don't think I think with a fast, it's like if you're looking for like a tried and true five weight kind of like middle of the road, you can get everything done. I'd go medium, medium, fast. Yeah. And you can even go like medium, fast. Yeah. But I wouldn't go like truly just like Because the vast majority road. of your casts are probably going to be within It's not feet. like you're fishing on a drift boat yeah. in Montana and it's always windy and right. you're casting even, 40 feet Even if you're time. doing pond fishing too where you want to get out a little bit further into the middle of the pond, you know, but that's not what it is, you know. A good You medium, can take your six weight for that. Right. A good medium, fast, five weight. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Okay. So keep your warranty card. That we're gonna way talk. Like it, you can sell it. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about. Uh, so Cassio. I don't remember if this was off on air, or off air, but we had Cassio on last week. Uh-huh. We talked about bedrock sandals. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah, I think it was off air. I, but anyway, Cassio was right because I was talking about how I don't like chacos, and everyone else swears by chacos when like they're chacos. fishing in the river. I don't know. I'm a sucker for. Uh, what do you have Crocs. Right now? Crocs. Oh yeah. I love Crocs too, but not <laughs> as I don't like own a, a pair of Crocs. I've never owned Crocs. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. You need a pair. You need a pair. At some point. But I got these fancy little chocolates. <laughs> save your money for, for rods. Anyway, okay. But <laughs> Casio recommended these uh, bedrock sandals, and I went to Whole Earth, and I bought a pair. And I am extremely happy now, with Okay, them. so how long have you had those? How long have you been wearing those? I've been wearing these for a week. Okay, so for a week, and I'm looking at them, they look brand new. Like, usually, like, you get the $5 yeah. uh, pair of sandals from Walmart, and you would have already had a big toe indention. Yeah, even the and bottom of it. I yeah. met this really nice guy at Whole Earth. I like Whole Earth, yeah. Um, he is the manager, but we started talking about fly fishing, and he okay. wants to take the Orvis 101 class. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, I digress. And he did you was tell him that you would get him in over there for free so he can give you a employee discount <laughs> over there for this? I should have worked that deal. I'm, I, hey, I'll, I'll make work a call for you and get you in that for free yeah. for that one hundred and one. Yeah. How about that? So uh, he was wearing a pair, and he said that he had had those for like four years, and they were in great shape. The ones he was wearing, yeah, and he I wears mean, them to work all dude, the time. Those look like literally they, they're like a solid vibram sole, and they don't look they've been and worn. They, they're very choco-y, except the strap layout is different. It's like a flip flop. 
with a back strap. Now, have you had any issues? It is, that's exactly, it's a flip flop with the back strap. Now, yeah. have you have you had any issues? Because that I mean, I'm looking at the materials on and at least the the top part of it of rubbing or getting any type of um, of wear on your on your. Or like foot. that side, the plastic piece right there. Yeah, I mean, there's the no. top part looks like it'd be areas that'd be chafing no. on your. I know. It right? feels no. like a Chaco strap. So if you've worn Chacos before, okay. but it has it has a, like the thong strip instead of like the toe loop. Yep, and it's kind of like uh, it's just like paracord basically. But I don't I don't know. It's par- like wearing it's like wearing a and the paracord doesn't rub. It's like wearing well a that d- that definitely looks like a lot better option than the $5 Walmart sandals where that middle plastic thing, rubber thing, is always going to tear up the inside of your toe. That looks thin enough. And then enough. Rip. Yeah, like and then ribs. But that looks like it barely, like, it's not, it doesn't even look like you feel it between your toes. Right. I haven't thin. fished in them yet, but I definitely will. And I don't like fishing in Chacos because rocks get under your feet. But Casio kind of convinced us that Rock management in these is better than Chaco's. Well, they do like your and foot. these are and these are loose right now because I'm like kind of comfort wearing them. Right, but if I was gonna take them fishing, I I can strap them I, down. I couldn't wear sandals. I mean, I'm I'm sure those would work great wade fishing. I couldn't do that. I yeah. need to have my boots. I don't want anything touching my toes. I used to just fish in Chaco's when I first started fly fishing here. Yeah, and then I got like a pair of like wading shoes. Yeah, loved them. Never went back, and then like two weeks ago, I forgot my wading shoes, and I just fished in my chacos, and I remembered why I switched because the entire time you're just fighting rocks. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that. Oh, I just, yeah. I, I just the whole think about having like that that my foot bare in the water. And you think someone's gonna bite your toe? I don't know. It just feels weird. I do think yeah. about that. Like yeah. when normally when I'm wearing shoes, I don't think about something coming to bite my toe. Yeah. But I, I bought a pair of golf shoes that have the boas. To to close the is a pair of foot oh, toys. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of yeah. expensive. Man, I I'm, I love the Boa system. I'm, yeah, I'm really debating. Like I just bought Ooh. a new pair of Sims like two years ago, and now I'm really debating about buying a new pair with the Boa on. I had a I had a pair of Boas, and then the the tread came off, like the actual bottom oh, part. Man, yeah, so kind of like what happened to that chocolate yeah, that was yeah. up here. And I had to go, and they didn't have any other Boas at the store, so I ended up just going with a pair of regular tie. I miss my boas so much. They they are so nice. And you know, you read online, people are like, "Oh, but if the strap breaks, you're screwed. You can't." You can buy a new strap. They Sim sells. They the do, but the, like, but the thing is, like, you're not going to be home when, or you're not. Yeah, you're not going to be at a place that has an extra strap. Well, but know? yeah, unless you bought. But at least you know that they have a lifetime warranty on. Yeah. Them, right? So, but that's still going to be but like still, a long time for that I to fished, happen. I fished the heck out of those, and they're fine until the the actual rubber came off. Yeah. I mean, as a fat guy, I hate, hate bending over trying to t- tie the laces. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially after a takes, big breakfast. It takes so much time. And breathing all hard and everything. Yeah. And it's rather the click, best part click, is click. at the end of the day where you just boop, boop. Yeah. Done. Oh, yes. And they like they expand so wide. It's just like stepping out. It's like, doo, doo, Damn out. it. I'm, that's it. I'm buying a pair. Go do it. I'm going to go do it today. You guys want to hear about my Belize issue? Yes, yeah. Please. I'm going to cry for you. <sighs> okay. So I'm supposed to go to Belize June 24th. Yeah. This was a trip. That was rescheduled for March of 2020. They got canceled like three days before we were supposed to leave. Okay. Because of COVID. That was like, right, yeah, that March. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, like, it was the right, first was one, like, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was supposed to go to Belize in March of 2020. Take a group of people fishing um, or go down there with them. And uh, it got canceled. So we rescheduled it. It's supposed to be, supposed to leave June 24th. Uh, last night, I'm going on and I'm going to purchase... Belize travel insurance, which is required to travel to Belize. And what it does is it extends your, will cover your hotel expenses and medical expenses if you get COVID while you're in the country. Oh, cool. It's like 18 bucks 
and it'll last for your trip. So it's not very expensive. Wow. But if you get stuck nice. there with COVID and uh, Belize requires it okay, for you Makes to have sense. it. So if you get COVID while you're there and you need to be in the hospital, I think it covers like up to 50 grand and it'll pay your, you know, hotel expenses. Like if you're like, oh, you have to quarantine here for two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They'll pay your expenses nice. to do that. So definitely the insurance is worth it. But they need my passport number. So I go and grab my passport uh-huh. and I'm looking at the number. And I'm typing it in and filling it out. And then I look at my passport and I realize oh, that my expired. passport is expired. No. Oh, <laughs> man. If if anybody is listening wants to cry, please, like, shed a tear for me. Oh, shed a tear man. and then go get your passport yeah. and make sure you're good. Uh, I don't mean to scare anybody, but you might also check your passport. Because also, if your passport is set to expire within the next six months, you still can't travel. Yeah. So... Uh, even if it isn't truly expired. But I never even thought about the passport because this trip recently got like rebooked in the past couple of weeks and I just bought my flights and obviously my passport was not expired for March of 2020, but I didn't even consider getting it updated. Like getting it updated or thinking about it being an issue. And so um, there is some possibilities that I can do. Yeah. Um, I There is an emergency passport situation where if you're traveling within like 14 or 21 days you can go to a passport office in person it's by appointment only yeah and they will fast track a passport for you you're trying to do right now that's what i'm working on what i have to do is i called them today and they only book up to two weeks out is it a specific one or can you go to any place i'll i'll get to that in a second so there are specific ones okay um the uh, okay there are specific ones the closest ones to us in san antonio is either del rio or houston and del rio is two and a half hours two and a half hours. it'd be about the same the only the only difference is del rio would probably be easier to get into than houston yeah yeah i would agree with that so um i called them today and all of their appointments are fully booked for right now um up to the 20th and so they told me to call first thing in the morning Mm mm-hmm Right when they open, and because tomorrow they will open up appointments for, for the twenty first. Dude, take the rod when you get it and go fish Amistad. Go fish uh, Black Brush over there for four fifty four. Well, I actually kind of worked out a deal with my boss, my man. because Del Rio is in our district. So if oh, I go to if I go nice. to Del, if I go to Del Rio and I uh, do some inspections for someone that normally has to drive two and a half hours to do those inspections, yes, sir, I can do those while I'm there, and then it's not a Lost Enough vacation day. day. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, cool. So Sweet. I'm going to try to work that angle if I can get to Del Rio. But Houston's not in our district, so if I have to go to Houston, I have to go to Houston. Yeah. I don't really care. I prefer Del Rio yeah, because no sure. traffic. I can drive down there. I can and hopefully get, it wouldn't be as crazy maybe get a little yeah, bit of work done and get work done. And then, two but per, if uh, Houston's the only option, I'll take Houston. So yeah. um, two feral cats I, with one stone. Yeah. I'm going to call them first thing in the morning and try to get an appointment for the 21st. So that way I can... Uh, I will light a candle at church for you. Please do. Do it. Yeah. Now, can... Okay. Never mind. No, say it. No, no. It's no, no, say I'll it. ask off. It's, no, not, it's it. not... It's like personal stuff. No, it's no, no. ask off. What's wrong? Offline. Um, I guess I have a third nipple. What about it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I have a third nipple. Um, so passport it, cards. What, those are a thing, right? For cruises. for cruises. Oh, and that's the only time you can use a passport I'm, card. I'm pretty sure passport cards apply for cruises. Or if like, you're going to Mexico or Canada. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not 100% on sure yeah, that. that. But up. I know most people that have passport cards use them for cruises. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to Puerto Rico, you don't really need a passport. Well, you don't need a passport to go to Puerto Rico at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
So like, it's you either a, be going to Mexico because it's a U.S. territory, or I mean, you be either going to Mexico or Jamaica. Bahamas. You need Bahamas. A, Bahamas yeah. is not a U.S. territory. Yeah, but I, I think even for what it was, I don't know. I don't know. I need to go on a cruise. I'd like to go on a cruise. Have you ever been on one? No, because I feel like I'm gonna get a stomach bug. Yeah, you, I, honestly, COVID kind of shed some light on on cruises, and I'm not dying <laughs> to go on one ever again. I wouldn't mind going. I'd I'd do it, but. I just I be I wouldn't be scared of getting COVID. I'd be scared of getting a crazy stomach bug because hmm. they it, you know that happens a lot. So mm. anyway, mm. I am trying hard to get my passport situation. Dude, I'm, I'm crossing my really fingers hoping. for. I hope you can get it. I, you guys that are listening, just let this be a lesson. Check your passport because ten years. It goes away. Yeah. You just forget about it. Ten years is like, oh, I don't have to worry about that. It's ten years away. Well, let's be, let's be honest. The last two years have been a pause. So. Yeah. Again, yeah. like you said, it's easy to forget because you're like, yeah. And if you mail it, it's six to eight weeks. So just if your passport is set to expire within the next year, just go ahead and renew it. Kindergarten hers renewed in 2020 in that first few <laughs> months when it, everything was shut down. And... It took her five months to get her passport back. Oh, I didn't. I thought. I thought I got lost. I was like, "We're never getting it back." Mm-hmm. So, that is my sad, Dude, sad situation. I'm sorry about that. That's and I totally paid a thousand dollars for the flights too. Can you get any? Can you get any of that money back? I don't think so because this is another dumb thing I did. The flights were so expensive. Expensive. You didn't get the insurance. That I did not get the insurance. Yeah, but but you might. When did you buy them? A couple weeks ago. Uh, so don't fall in that COVID thing, maybe. No. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Call. Check. Check. Well, you, I'm you not going like to. You'll get a I'm credit. I'm not going to do that. But until. you know, like anyone else, just to look at the fine print. I'm sure there's something in there. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or if the worst case, uh, but I'm not going to cancel my flights until I know that yeah, until the passport know, thing yeah. is not going to happen. Well, cancel your flight and the passport thing will get a call tomorrow. <laughs> 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 I'll be like, hey, you know what? We'll grandfather you. You're good to you're go. Like, yeah. You'll literally get a call while you're canceling it, like yeah. right away. Like, yeah, yeah. That's how it works. That's how it works. So you guys want to hear about my trip with Steve? I, I am excited to hear about this. Yes. yes. Okay. So you guys know Steve. Why, did I, why are you asking us? This is why I'm here. I'm, oh, here okay. to, I'm here to listen to these cool things that happened to you this week. Okay. Except for the plane ride thing. But. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> It's gonna work out, man. Positive like, vibes. It's gonna. I'm work. just. I have this fear. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna call right at seven, and they're gonna be busy, and it's gonna make me hold for 15 minutes. And when I get on the line, they're gonna be like, "Oh, they've already booked all the appointments." Dude, imagine if this works. Like you get it and all that, only to show up and you get skunked on your trip. But still, I'd rather get skunked <laughs> on the trip. But still, this is a cool story. Me I mean, if this works out and you get it, which I'm, I'm praying it's gonna. It, it is gonna work out, Landon. And you get there, and you catch it. That's such a cool story. Yeah. So, um, I'm just glad I looked at my passport, because if I would have waited any longer. <laughs> Walked in. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I literally probably would have gone to the airport with Some an expired passport. Some people do that. They show up expired with, passport. and there's like, here. And they're like, no, it's expired. I prob- that probably would have been me, And then you would have been going home. There'd be no option. Yeah. Oh, so, dude. Thank- thanks, Belize, for requiring travel insurance that made me look at my passport. <laughs> Yeah. Someone's making money off of that. Okay, so I went fishing with Steve Ramirez. If you guys don't know who Steve is, you should because Steve um, wrote Casting Forward and he wrote Casting Onward, which are 
the uh, two books about fly fishing. The first one, Casting Forward, about fly fishing Texas Hill Country. Casting Onward, about fly fishing native species across the United States. He's a great water. He's a great um, writer and angler, and he lives in our backyard. He's up in Bernie, so he's real close to us. He's been on the show twice. Um, and Steve is the most stand-up guy I think yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. Just, just the nicest guy really cares about what he's doing. And so Steve invited me. He's writing his third book, Casting Seaward. He invited me to go on a trip with him that he was going to write about in his uh, third book. So nice. I'm really excited about that. And we had a great trip. I think it's definitely worthy of writing. Of a because, book, of a chapter in a book. Yeah, because we we had a great time fished with my buddy William, who I know Zach's fished with. Fit, oh, William's mm-hmm. great. He is oh, such a good guy. Yeah, such a good guy. Everybody works with like Kendall had never fished in salt before, and she had a fantastic time, caught a couple of fish. Yeah. And William is fantastic. And so we just all went down there as friends, fishing together, trying to create this great story that Steve could write about in his book. The best thing is, um, Steve is probably going to be embarrassed if I if I say this, but the whole time we were joking about uh uh Steve had mentioned that if you if you want to get rich as an author, then you don't write about fly fishing. <laughs> and then so we're like, well, what do you write about? And he's like, you either write you write cookbooks, yeah. you write uh, young adult, or you write erotica. <laughs> and so we were making like erotica jokes the whole time. Like yeah, Steve included them. Yeah. So Steve, if you're gonna write an erotica book, you need to do this. And there were like all these innuendos. Uh-huh. We were like joking about the whole trip. It was fantastic. Oh my so, <laughs> so basically, what I'm hearing is a cookbook uh, with uh, teenage vampires <laughs> yeah. and fly fishing and innuendos. Fly fishing. <laughs> oh, so, there's lots of innuendos in the fly fishing world, anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so day one, we go out, and uh, Steve has never caught a redfish. So goal. Priority number one is we're going to get Steve a redfish. And we go out day number one, and Steve starts on the bow. And I swear, we all on the boat thought that Steve was going to have a redfish on his very first cast. It did not turn out that way. But his very first cast of the day, he casted a fish. The fish turned on his fly and chased it down. And it just never ate it. it. And I was like, Steve, if you would have had a redfish on your first cast, that would have been fantastic. What a story that'd be. That turned into Steve working his ass (laughs) off (laughs) the rest of the the day. Can't be that easy. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, and and Steve had never, Steve has redfished before. I think he was telling me he was in uh, the Carolinas redfishing. And it was a lot of blind casting and mm. different techniques. This was like very shallow water hunting fish. We right. were we didn't wade. We were on, on the boat. Sk- the on the time. boat. There's no wind, so it was like William's oh, so like. Oh, that's not because that's been the story the last month. Yeah, There's Williams like wind. the last month has been 30, 35 mile per hour wind. So we just drive the boat and get out and wade. Well, we had no wind, uh, like ten miles per hour or less, and so we pulled. We actually pulled. And so he got to stand up on the front of the boat. I think he, he, he mentioned a couple of times he was like, he didn't like that. Well, he liked the hunting fish and like seeing the fish and making the cast. But he did not like the, there's two guys behind me expecting me to catch a fish and I'm the guy on the bow and I have to get it done. Otherwise, I'm like letting everyone else yeah, down. The pressure's down. The pressure's that on. Is, was not the case. If, you know, I definitely didn't, well, I wasn't putting pressure on him right. to catch a fish. William wasn't. But I can see how you, 
could, if that's your first time doing that style, oh, yeah. I could see how you would feel that pressure. Every so I think he counts, had some extra yeah. extra pressure on shoulder. So he had fished for a while, got some great shots at fish. The morning was hot. We were seeing a lot of fish, big fish. And uh, Steve uh, just couldn't, we couldn't pull it together. He learned a lot of lessons, made a lot of mistakes, but was like quick to learn and apply what he learned to the next time he saw fish. So that was really cool. Um, especially like backhand casting and stuff like that you have to do if you're on a bow. Um, I Then I got up and fished, and I caught uh, pretty quickly, had casted at two black drum and a redfish that were all together and had hooked up, and we all thought it was the redfish, but it was actually a black drum. Mm. So uh, pulled that in, and then fairly quickly after, it was much slower as far as seeing fish when I was up on the bow, um, but fairly quickly after like a couple of potential opportunities, caught a redfish after that nice. on the first day. And then at that point it was just like, uh, Steve, Oh, you're up. so we got, okay. So I caught my redfish. we got some pictures and all that. And then I had to take a leak and I can't pee off the side of the boat for whatever reason. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I just caught a fish. I got to pee. I'm going to get out. And they're making fun of me because I have a nervous bladder, whatever you want to call it. So I'm out peeing, and then you're like you're in the water. I'm in the water, and William is like picked up the fly rod and casting. And Steve was just like, "Man, William, it'd be so great if you caught a fish right now." And like the boat is anchored, we're still. I had finished up and like climbed back in the boat, and then William was like showing Steve some like different casts and like different techniques while we were stopped. And then lo and behold, a redfish is like coming right at us. And it's like 80 feet away, and William just like whips out the most beautiful cast I've ever seen in front William's of William's probably the, one of the best casters, especially for the salt, I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he's. He phenomenal. just whips out this incredible cast at this redfish, and it was like a bomb. I mean, 80, maybe 90 feet, and lays it in front of this redfish, and this redfish eats it. So William catches a redfish like right 90 after. 90 feet out. I had like chummed the water <laughs> with and, me. <laughs> And uh, Steve is watching him, and Steve just kept saying, man, it'd be so great if you caught a redfish right now. And then William made it happen. So William got a redfish, and so that was awesome. And then Steve got back on the bow and uh, casted a fish that was moving pretty quick, and he threw his fly in the water. And this fish absolutely, in the most aggressive take I've ever seen, destroyed his fly. Awesome. And it was, like, right at the boat, and it, like, hit it so hard, like, it made a big splash. And we're like, this is sick. And the next thing we know, we see fish jumping out of the water. And we're like, it's a ladyfish. Yeah. So it was game on with the ladyfish. <laughs> oh, man, they're Sweet. so much fun. Yeah. I've only hooked into one. And, man, no, they're, they're crazy. Fun. They oh. take you for a ride. I don't see why people don't like them. They, everyone Poor calls them fish. I don't know why Poor either. tarpon, man. They're like the best thing to hook into. Yeah. They're not as beautiful as redfish. But oh, they fight. Fantastic. They fight, and they rip line, they jump. And, yeah. oh, I love the ladyfish show. And then he... Uh, he was like slightly disappointed because on his last saltwater trip for the book, all he was catching was ladyfish. So he was like, so yeah, I really want a redfish. He'd been there, done that. Because yeah. I wrote a, he's like, I wrote a story about catching, like that's all I caught. And they had nicknamed him. Uh, he ladies, doesn't ladies want, man. he doesn't want this. <laughs> he doesn't want this to stick, but I'm going to say it. They he, the on the last trip. He was nicknamed the lady killer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hey, you own it, man. Yeah, you own it. I'd be lady. And then we kept calling him that the whole trip, and he's like, "I didn't want this stick." I'm like, "You don't get to decide if a nickname sticks." <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're, you're very few people decide. Yeah, it's like yeah, your, uh, yeah. it's like your call sign. He's for like, flying around. Yeah, <laughs> but he's like, my wife doesn't appreciate. It. I was like, well, 
Yeah, you don't get to pick your nickname, Steve. <laughs> it is what it is. The lady killer. So he keeps fishing again, and then finally it he makes the connection, and it happens. On a red. He, on a red. This is the first day? This was the first day. Nice. Okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah, pretty much at that point, it was 12, 1 o'clock. We'd actually... It was we did an extremely far boat ride, like probably the furthest boat ride I've ever done. Really, but also because of that, we were away from everyone else. And I hear right now it's just yeah. Oh. So we just like and it was getting hot because there was no wind. So we called pretty much at that point we called it and went back in. Um. And then on day two, which was Saturday. The water was just a madhouse, man. Really? Oh, dude. It was boats everywhere, all kinds of stuff. So we, we wanted to kind of do like a half day on Saturday so we could drive back. So we get up reasonably early and go out, and we stay pretty close to home. We don't do that like hour and a half boat ride. And uh, we go out. Uh, Steve wanted me to start on the bow, and the fish were just so spooky. Mm. If the fish weren't like spooky and on edge – probably would have caught like five, six, seven fish mm-hmm. on Saturday. But like, man, I was throwing great casts out, leading them, and they would just like bolt. So nothing. And then I had like a couple where I had like two or three shots with a fly like moving in front of them, and they didn't even turn and look at it. Really? Right? Wow. And I'm just like, man, what is the deal? And then Steve's like, I'm just glad you're fishing <laughs> because uh, the because, because the, uh, they were spooky. But then the coolest thing that's ever happened to me while red fishing happened we came across a school of hundreds of redfish. Oh, cool. In one school. Nice. And it was really sweet to actually like witness that. Cause I've been on like decent seen like probably the biggest school I've seen is like thirty. Uh-huh. But it's different when there's just like everywhere you look is redfish. Yeah. Now what was crazy about this is I casted into this school probably eight times before I got a redfish to eat. So you uh-huh. think I'm casting in the middle of potentially 20 fish. They're all eating. Maybe, maybe, maybe. not. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I would like to think that they were, but I cast into a school of 20 fish and am moving the fly and none of them turn on and eat. Oof. And I finally like got like that eighth cast and they were kind of moving away from us. So it was kind of like, the school was moving on, and they were moving faster than we could. So it was kind of like almost a last-ditch effort, and I got in front of uh, a couple of fish, and I moved the fly. I did like a different retrieve, and one of them got excited and turned off the school and followed the fly and, and ate it. Nice. But it was like very – even though it turned off, it was still like not like an aggressive like redfish take. It was like, hey, hey – Oh, there's something. I'm gonna go check it out. Okay, okay, I'll eat it. Yeah, kind of situation. But it was a nice fish. It was probably like 28, 29 inches. Oh yeah, it's a good fish. Mm-hmm. Put me in the backing. It oh, had some. Dang. It had some juice. Yeah, and I had my cr- drag crank down pretty good too. But yeah. after that first run, he was like, he gave He's up. Done. Yeah. Um. So and then Steve got up on the bow and we moved around. Didn't see a lot of fish after that. But again, they were just. They were, it was Saturday was just really hard. Yeah. Really hard day fishing. You really had to work and um we kept making changes to like how far we'd lead the fish. We put on a lighter fly because we're like, you know, they might be spooking. And then William actually showed me uh two new casts that I need to practice because they are really cool and I've never done them. One's an underhand cast 
where the loop actually goes under mm-hmm. and your flying kind of comes out and then it drops softer. So it's less spooky. It's less spooky. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then the second cast he called a roadrunner cast, which keeps the line out of the air because we were thinking some of the fish were spooking while the line was in the air. Like okay. maybe the shadow was hitting them or something. So this roadrunner cast makes it to where they can only see the leader. And you kind of like, you cast and then you roll your wrist and it flips the line out and the loop unravels on the water as opposed to like unlooping and then everything falling. falling, The loop unrolls on the water. Really? So they were both like, like situationally, like want to have them in my back pocket for sure. Yeah. Both of those casts. So I'm going to practice those. Um, But like you said, William is an excellent caster and he practices all the time. So. It one hundred makes percent one hundred percent makes sense why he's so good. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. He's like he goes to the park and practices when he's not guiding. Yeah, that's With all other he does. guys work on his casters. craft. Man. Yeah, that's all he does is work on his craft. Seriously, really, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Every time I talk to him, that's all he's doing is just oh, I just got done out of the park, you know, practicing my cast, or I was on the back pier working on something, and it's just yeah. But yeah, other than like the fishing, Steve and I had great conversation just about life and. You know, got into like dug into his history a little bit more, and did you guys was, drive down together. Yeah, good. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. I'm really excited to see what that chapter is. And he was like, uh, he he was kind of like, I want to, you know, he didn't want to do anything that would like put anybody in a bad light, I guess. And I was like, Steve, like I really literally don't care what you write. He's like, but I'll, I'll send it to you to make sure it's good. I'm like. He's like, man, you you not being able to pee on the boat's pretty funny. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think he's like I don't think I'll put that in the book. And I was like, Steve, you can put that in the book. No, I, I don't. That's care. great for readers. That's, that's like, yeah, I, put I literally don't care. He's These like, things but I don't. I don't want to show people in a bad light. I'm like, Steve, Steve. put it in the book. Yeah, it's put it funny. in the book. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I I don't care if you if you thought I cared. Then you should yeah. you listen to some it. of these podcasts. You would have held episodes. that pee the whole trip and yeah. then yeah. gone afterward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Who cares? It's part of it's part of it's part of the experience. Right. That's well, all, all three of us caught redfish, which Steve Sweet. really wanted, and well, it was just it was it was a fun trip. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. And I just love fishing with William. He's such a good friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I ran into Jeff Davis. Jeff Davis was coming in yeah. as I was coming out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jeff is doing good, and uh, yeah, man. Awesome time. It's pretty, it's pretty neat when you're like, you're on a trip that you think, like, you're not going to see anyone around you. And then you're like, you come to the boat lawn, the boat ramp, and you're like, you run into everybody. Dude, in the boat like, ramp. what's going on? Like, guys, you know, from Santa, you're like, mm. hey. Yep. No, Jeff, Jeff and William are like best friends. Jeff, like, crashes on his couch. He'll, like, go down there for a week and just sleep on the couch. So as we were, like, coming out, Jeff had arrived because I guess uh, they were fishing together the next day. Yes, yeah, I think they yeah. fished together this weekend. Yeah, oh, that's so. cool. Cool. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what happens. When are we going to go to the coast? Well, we're definitely doing our challenge with Casio, which I told William about. But we're not doing that till November. November. When are we just going to go to the coast of summer? Let's find a time, and let's go get it done. Let's do it. Yeah. Maybe after Belize. Maybe after I get this passport debacle figured out. <laughs> Maybe we'll go during the passport debacle. That way it's, you know, you guys don't take your mind off of it. Yeah. You want to ride down to Del Rio with me? No, you'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be gone. Yep. Gabe, you made an impromptu trip down to the coast. You want to tell us about it? <sighs> I wish my trip was exciting, but it was still has its own, you know, exciting piece. It wasn't exciting. 
Look, it was. Okay. Seriously, it was. So, like, okay, so Saturday, like, there was no plan at all this weekend to go. No plan. Not even talk with my buddy. No plan. Saturday, kid has a soccer game. We get done. I take him to take him to lunch. And it was like a late lunch. It was probably like we got done right at two. And we're 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 driving. We're driving. We just left. And I get a call. And I get a call from my buddy from Waco. And he's all like, I've looked at the weather report. Poor Lavaca. Just like 10 mile an hour max winds. We yep. should be glass. It's gonna be perfect for for flounder gigging. Have you ever done that? I was like, dude, I've never done that. And of course, the wife's like, get out of here. Like, go, go do it. Go do it. Yeah. You know, and we got a rental car right now because her sense is in the shop. So I'm like, this is perfect. Got a rental car. <laughs> I got a rental. I got a truck. Like, this is, this is like, let's just do it. This is, it's done. So he calls me at two by 3 30. I've got my stuff packed and I'm on the road. He's coming from Waco. This is Saturday? This was Saturday. Okay. So, um, and he's coming from Waco. So we're going to meet in Port Lavodka. Okay. So I, I, you know, in that time that I was at the house, I called, found a found a hotel there, um, you know, booked it, done, let's go. So I'm driving, beautiful drive, it's a beautiful day. You know, not a lot of traffic. I'm cutting through a bunch of, like, small town stuff, Gonzalez, like those. It's just a beautiful drive. It was a cool drive. And as I'm getting just outside of Victoria, I'm seeing popcorn, popcorn clouds. Those popcorn clouds start building. Uh-huh. And I, I'm just like, I just have this front view of all this stuff just blowing up in front of me. <laughs> yeah. And in, by the time I'm in Victoria, it is torrential downpour, lightning, really? you name it, dude. This thing was not in the schedule, was not on the forecast. This thing came out of nowhere. This is Saturday evening? This is, it's, it, it's literally like, this would have been around at like 5 or 6 o'clock, okay, yeah. right? As I'm getting into Port Lavatka. And the last like the last 10 or 15 miles was just like just full bore torrential downpour like crap uh-huh. like you're going 50 miles an hour on that 75 because you just you can't see yeah so uh you know i i get to that bucky's and that storm's kind of passing us and i look at the radar and it said by 8 30 this thing should be out of the way should be at least gone so i'm like okay great and i call my buddy i'm like we're doing this anyway like i'm here it's gonna clear out we should be fine and uh, so I, I meet him at, uh, I go log, or get get our uh, hotel room all situated. He picks me up there, and then we go out to the boat launch. And we get there, and that's the picture that, um, uh, the the video that I posted on my Instagram, where for whatever reason, I tried to pass it to you guys because it was just too big. But you can see in the in the background, there's that big storm, and it's making its way away from here. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was just like crap, man. Like, you just part of the story, right? So we we get he's got a John boat you know ready to go. We get in the water. We we putter across the bay. We get to the other side, and um, you know by the time it's all said and done, it's about nine thirty that we're 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 and this is at night, right? Because that's this the point. Night. You're that's doing the point. it at night, like all night right. long, right? And and the weather's nice. It's not super humid, but the only down and the wind's not bad. And and the only downside is that now that that, that water's kind of turned it's not completely bad but it's kind of turned over so you know we we floated through some areas and then we went into some back channels of the marsh and 
got necessarily stuck, but kind of got lost. Thank God for Google Google Maps and <laughs> looking. And then the tide was coming out, so you could actually that that to me was the coolest thing is that you could see the water ripping out. Oh, that's cool! And so you could find your way back by just following, just following the, the water, direction the water was direction the water is going and finding the main channel that was kicking out. Cool. So there was a little bit of a like. Adventure. Oh crap! Are we spending the night tonight out here? <laughs> You're gonna be beached uh, on the yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, saw some rat red, saw some nice drum, um, saw some huge, uh, huge gar, huge gar, really out there. Oh yeah, yeah. dude, like 40, 50 pound, like almost as long as me. Like holy crap! You know, don't fall out of the boat. Yeah, and um, yeah, so we we went around. We just could not, and that was the other thing too. There was. Thousands upon hundreds of thousands of minnows. I've never seen so many minnows following the boat, following the light. But even as we went faster to get past them, we just get in this huge other so ball many, yeah. of minnows. The only thing I can think of is that with the, the that rain and wind, it turned up some of the stuff in the in the mud, I guess, and that's what they were all in there. But I mean, just you could you could put your hand in, in the water and pick up fifty in your hand like no problem. Really, uh-huh. Dude, it was the it craziest was like thing. That thick of them. It was that thick of them. It was the craziest thing. Like I've never seen minnows like that. Um, they weren't mullet. No, no, these were like little little minnows, maybe an inch long at max. Little just mullet minnows. Dude, just everywhere. Yeah, just everywhere. Uh, and anyway, so I mean, but it was. It was so crazy that they were causing such a commotion on the top part of the water too. That even as you're trying to float through an area, you, you can't, you couldn't see past their uh, vibrations of the water that they were just moving and doing stuff. And there's so many of them. Dang. So we didn't. I I don't know. There might have been a handful of times that maybe I thought it was, but we just couldn't see um, in those deeper parts that probably would have been beneficial. But right, I mean, towards the end there, I mean, we stayed out to like one thirty. Uh, and you know, you, you, towards the end there before we left, like it was getting, the visibility was getting a little bit better, but it was still cool. Like I, for, for the fact that I was on that bow for like four hours, you couldn't have told me that I was on there for four hours. So in my head, I'm like, I must've had a good time because I was so focused on looking at stuff and you're, and we're talking and we're, you know, and you're just like up there and there's lights, right? So you can see, and you you just have, and if you see a flounder. So it was like a John boat that in the back had like a, platform on top that held a like a propeller like a small little propeller so we would use that to kind of put us back in in like a floating area and then kind of lower that and then use the gigs too to kind of push off if we were getting too close to the bank oh really yeah so you're so that was the other thing too man like it was a full body workout because you're, you're really you're, yeah you're isn't yeah you're more like pushing off but there's still a couple of times where like you're you've shove that thing in so you can turn the boat you know just depending on what side so you're you know you're you're doing 50 percent of the of the movement on there because it's just a smaller boat not like a a big a bigger one um but just the experience dude the just the the evening you know you see all the stars seeing all that stuff and um it was just a really cool experience like i'm i like I, i would love to do that again i mean it sucks that we didn't put anything in in the cooler but man that's such a cool experience like just overall like mosquitoes weren't horrible yeah um you know it just it, it just you knew what it could have been and we just didn't know like again wasn't in the forecast we made it happen so of course we roll up to uh we get we get through uh, and that was the other thing too as as we're making our way back from from the other side crossing the bay uh but it was 
puttering before we, we really got going. But we hit into a bunch of those, uh, like, fluorescent uh, jellyfish. Yeah. So as you're puttering through and they're passing the boat, they're they're glowing. You hit, like, a glow. That was pretty neat, was too. Was it cool? Yeah, that was, that was really neat. And then yeah. a couple of dolphins kind of came up to the boat, even the fact that it was late. And uh, so, we you know, we made it back. We went to Whataburger at, you know, 2 a.m., uh, which is Whataburger late is always in it's, itself. It's, is, it's an experience. It's an experience. Um, and then, dude, I we got to the hotel at three. I like my. I took a shower, and all I remember is laying down. And the next day, I knew it was like nine thirty. Yeah, it, like sun's out and everything. Uh, but we hit up uh, a cool little Mexican restaurant. I think it was like La Antigua or something like that, dude. Solid, delicious Mexican breakfast. And then we're just like, yeah, we took our time, and then drove back. the The girls uh, stopped in Seguin to go visit, uh, you know, the in laws. So they were hanging in Seguin. So I kind of went through Yoakum and all of that, and Gonzalez back up. And I actually was like, you know what? Since they're in Seguin, I'm gonna stop in Luling and grab a watermelon because I know they have a little farmer's market, and there's always a good watermelon. So I got a big, like, 25-pound watermelon for, like, 10 bucks. Dang. Got two of them. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and then uh, met the girls in Seguin and, and cut that thing open. And so it was cool that, you know, they were visiting, you know, wife was visiting her parents, but still being able to come back, and it was, like, 1 o'clock and be able to hang out with them oh, for yeah. a little bit, you know. And then I was like, okay, cool. Good seeing you guys. Here's your watermelon. I'm going home, going to bed. Yeah. You know, but it was it was a cool trip. It was still fun. I'm excited about doing this again. It just—I'd like, like to go flounder gang. That's fun. I, yeah, it was. Cool. I would love to go. It was really cool, and even even going like with a with a guide on a bigger boat and a bigger setup, man, it still was because neat. There's yeah. so much stuff to like. Even if you, I think multiple people so, can do it. At, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's boats. what we do. We do that, and then we wake up and fly fish in the morning. Ooh. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I mean that that was such a cool thing to do in the evening. There's like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on. Just chilling back. You know, just sitting back, drinking a little bit, and enjoying. Uh, that time but it's just like you're going and you're you're looking and i can see where if people are gigging stuff like okay let's still you know you're looking you know it's like where's waldo you know you're just you're focused <laughs> on like is that a flounder or is it not you know and yeah. you, you I stab it anyway and see it was like oh no it's just a thing but I mean, we saw a lot of a lot of cool stuff you know lots of crabs lots of good sites and big crabs and just nature man it was yeah for for the fact that i just could have been cutting the grass that that evening instead i'm Last minute, two and a half hour drive. At first, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to drive down there. But man, that drive goes by pretty quick. Yeah. You know, and, and boom, you're there. It was it was cool. I mean, not as still the Steve and Caden's first redfish, I'm sure being there was awesome and exciting. Hey, it was man, fun. your trip sounds fun too. Because improv, improv trips or impromptu trips. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, let's get in the car fun. and let's just go. Yeah. It could have it gone either way. But man, it was. It was still a cool thing, and for with my buddy, you know, it, it just the fun things. Feel like, hey, remember that time? Like last minute, we just got down there, and then a huge storm, like question on our decision about yeah. being down there. But if that storm hadn't been there, I think it would have been, regardless, a, a, a pretty cool trip. Uh, yeah. But still, it was fun. Yeah, it's just like, man, I just can't believe I did it this weekend. Like, it, even now, as I work, I was at work, you know, typing stuff out. I'm like, did I actually do that I this week? Go down there and do like, that, you know. In and out, like quick, turn around, <laughs> you know, like seriously, like in it, you know, 24 hours, I was there and back, you know, it was cool. It was cool. Um, Zach, you saw a film that you wanted to talk about that I did, and I think everybody who lives in Texas should see it. Um, 
So by the time this podcast comes out, if it is still playing and you have not, please go see it. Um, it's called Deep in the Heart. It is uh, the wild um, as a documentary about the Texas wildlife. Um, it, the cool thing is it's not put together by this huge um, like National Geographic or a big documentary uh, company. It is a small kind of independent film called, oh, what's the name of it? It's called like Finn and Fur or something like that. And they partnered with uh, Texan by Nature, and it was just a really good documentary. It really highlights all of the wildlife from Texas. Um, if you live here in the hill country, they really focus on our rivers. They mm-hmm. focus on our Guadalupe bass, but they cover the free-tailed bats. They cover the alligator gar. They cover the coast. They cover West Texas with the bighorn sheep, and then down in Big Bend with the, the black bears and the ocelots that are down in the um, – in South Texas, right? So they kind of cover everything. And it, one, just being from Texas and loving Texas wildlife, it does. You know, go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if something's in there. Yeah, it does such a fantastic job of highlighting that. You can tell the people who made it love Texas. And they wanted to showcase that as well. It's narrated by Matthew McConaughey. Um, and he does a really all good right, job as right, well. All right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> and he does a great job as well. Um and what I like, too, is that it also has a good call to action in there as well. You know, it's, it talks about uh, some of the way that people have voted in the past and how that affects our wildlife, right? So we gotta, we're at this point now where it's like we kind of have to start making some decisions about what's important to us and what's important to the now and what's important to our future generations of Texans. Okay. Um, uh, and it really comes down to all the freshwater access um, not necessarily for fishing, but when it comes water to rights. yeah, exactly yeah, the water rights, rights uh, dams. Uh, when it comes to property owners and what they uh, what their expectations are. Um, so I don't know. I, it's about two hours long. Kendall and I went and saw it, and I enjoyed it. And, and like I don't know. It, was it hard seems like to. a nice film. Just like you can go and just be like, ah, and just like sit back and just like enjoy it. It is. There's a few frustrating parts just being a conservationist um, and seeing. Some of the things, and they and they kind of put this in their script as well. Well, they'll talk about just some issues, and it's kind of like that is so frustrating. Like when they talk about the ocelots, how there are some landowners who just like are like, we don't care if this if this cat dies, like we're here to farm, you know. And it's frustrating when some people have that mentality when there's a lot of other ranchers who are working with these uh, wildlife programs to help these populations of ocelots thrive, but also they can still have a ranch that's, mm-hmm. that's, that runs the same. You know, they can, they can have both. Both can exist, you know. So, uh, what was your question? Um, do they do the uh, Texas bighorn? They talk a little bit about bighorn. Yeah. Nice. And they talk about the buffalo, how, you know, 100 years ago we had 500,000 in uh, the nation, and then by, or I guess a little over 100 years ago now, and then by 1919 – there's like five left in Texas, yeah. you know, and now we have a herd, I think of a couple hundred that live in like the Caprock Canyon area. And that was cool, especially with us going to tech. They talk a little bit about, you know, how they were at Palo Duro originally, and then they moved into Caprock. And um, so, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And that's same thing cool. with, with the black bear, how the black, Oh, I remember what the f- most frustrating thing was. They talk about the mountain lion population and how there's no regulations uh, for hunting them. And you watch that film and you kind of like, you know, maybe we are at the point where we need to, you know, 
they maybe needed to be regulated, right? I'm yeah. not saying a closely, or I'm not yeah. saying like we're not supposed to Something. hunt them, but there there needs to be a regulation because um, their big thing was there are so many mountain lion traps out there, like the bear traps, that they are actually harming these other animals mm-hmm. that are really trying to encourage. Yeah, to, and I know to, there's uh, like grow. mountain lion hunting tournaments. Yeah, because there's no regulation and they just shoot as many right cats as they can. I'm like, I don't know, like. A coyote and a mountain lion, I think, are two because like there's so few like coyotes are everywhere, right. and like so if we're just talking about predator hunting, like you want a coyote hunt, I don't think anybody's gonna have a problem with that. But then you look at mountain lions, and like they're really hard to find, and you rarely see them. Right. Yeah. It's like I think you're right. That's a conversation that needs to be had. I do, and I think if anything came from it, that would be one of the things I would probably write my congressperson about. You know, just. That. And I don't want to take anybody's hunting rights away, but maybe we look at regulation. And that's the thing is, like, as conservationists, we have to look that every time we've been given free reign of any animal, it has <laughs> never gone word, well, yeah. except hogs. Okay, yes, right, right. We can't keep up, but, man. Right. <laughs> one, one, one mountain lion will have a territory of a hundred miles versus you know, when a couple acres, you might have a couple hundred, or you know tens of hogs you yeah know? so um i do think that we need to regulate i'm like i said i think if people want to hunt them that should be allowed but i think that there needs to be some regulation in doing that mm-hmm. and i don't think you should be able to trap them the way that um they are at least now with these or without the regulation as far as like how often you have to check the trap what types of traps you can use yeah because i know in other states that are bigger texas isn't a huge trapping state but in other states where trapping is well trapping is kind of a dying art not right. it's kind of a dying thing there are people that are very passionate about it, but they have a lot of regulations on the types of traps that you use so you don't get the by animal harm and so that the thing is here though you can use those open like the actual like clawed bear traps yeah and they they are they're like they're What's happening is the bear population in Big Bend is doing relatively mm-hmm. well, but now there are so many of them there that the bears are moving outward into some of the more mountain lion territories, and they're being affected by these other things. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. I just feel like anything that's unregulated, or it, the, the amount of traps that are just left out just to kill something, just to kill it, is unethical in my opinion, you know. So that's just, but anyways, go see the film. It was really great. If you love Texas, you'll leave it, love it even more. Yeah. But also like you want to protect the wildlife because, you know, we are a great state and we do have a very, we have one of the most diverse wildlife and diverse areas of any other state, you know, I think that's something to be said about. Yeah. uh, We had a big conversation, me, William and Steve on the boat because I asked William about the whole oyster thing. Mm-hmm. kind of, And the conversation went very interesting because I think you guys know how, like, obviously Steve's view, view conf- conservation based on our conversation. And I think William is extremely frustrated because um, he feels like a lot of it is just a social media yeah. hit. Which I can kind of see his frustration because he's like, nothing's going to happen unless people start putting money down. Yeah. Because oyster fishermen have a lobby. They're putting money on to protect their right to oyster fish. There's a lot of money in oysters. And he's, yeah. and he's like, all the guides are down here. You know, they're they're voicing their opinion, but... They can't put the money behind it. They're not. And he's like, 
if you got all the guys together in the room and you said, I'm going to put $10,000 down, will all of y'all follow me and, you know, put $10,000 down to, like, help with the problem that people people wouldn't? Well, most a lot of people probably don't have that to put down. No, you know? no, and, and, I, and, and I, I agree with that, but, you know, raising the funds and using conservation groups to raise the funds – to like put money down as opposed to just like getting on social media and saying the oyster thing's a problem. Just signatures. Just, and- you know, and actually like doing the work like Florida is doing where they have conservation groups raising money and actually have money behind and what getting they're lobbyists doing to go in and getting lobbyists yeah. to go in and having someone fight for them. And that it's just, it's frustrating because in his mind, because People are willing to use it to make themselves look good for social media. And we've covered it on here. Um, I don't know, maybe to make ourselves look good. I I don't know. But um, unless you put money down and are actually, like, fighting against that, it's hard to it's hard to gain traction. So, like, all these issues that you bring up, where follow the money, right. so, yeah. to, so, to, so to say. Yeah. Like that, are people like do or do people care enough to actually put money down? Right. Because if you care about it, if you really care about it, that's what you would do. You would if it's even if you only had a hundred dollars to spare, you would put that hundred dollars yeah. towards it. No, I mean that's a great point. Like realistically, a social media post or commenting at a um, and we can talk of, like. And I, I kind of thought about his comments because, like, we can talk. We've we, we've had people on talk about it, give their opinion about it, trying to keep people up to date about it. But um, and I think it's good. I think people should be aware. But also, I think there's two sides of the story. I think just because people aren't putting money down necessarily that it's not worth talking about and bringing awareness to. But at the same time, I think William makes a really good point in that. There needs to be money behind it. And you, there you, needs, need both. you need both. You need you both. need the people who are passionate enough to go and speak eloquently be- about the issue because that will sway some people. But you also need money to get the people who know how to handle these things in the right yeah. spots to yeah. to talk about it and to to know the next steps. Yeah. You know. Um, and there's a ton of resources because you know, especially with the oyster thing. If the oyster thing goes through, there's going to be tons of people without a job you know and that is something to be considered like you do got to think about that Mm -hmm. and if we have money set in place where maybe we could you know work on other things to help supplement that income or Mm -hmm. find different things like that's what's needed well or transition to oyster farming right but that's a again that's that's a a big skill you have to learn well that's a skill you have to learn but that's a big who's going to put the investment down and say we want to protect the natural oysters so we will offer these jobs to you in oyster farming, but how many millions of dollars of investment is that going? Like, again, it's just like, yeah. It, unless we like provide that option on a silver platter and say there is a job for you doing oysters, it's not going to it, not gonna be agreed upon. You're just yeah. taking away someone's jobs. Yeah. I mean, no, that that is a fantastic point, and I think it's easy to sit here and get all riled up and, oh, some people are saying some buzzwords, which you need people who speak well. That's mm-hmm. what gets people riled up and gets people together, right? And Steve made a good point, too. You know, uh, our politicians are going to follow the money and where they're getting donations from. Oh, yeah. And so if 
if you can't hurt them with the money, hurt them with the vote. So you have to have a big enough grassroots campaign that they feel like their votes are. That's the thing. Which is a hard... Like it's that easier takes getting a, the money than it, it is e- getting a large enough voting exa- block. It is. It's easier getting the money than making someone feel the pressure with votes. Yeah. Especially on something like oysters where most people... Oh, I eat oysters every once in a while, but it's not a big big enough issue for me to really care about. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, and just like Black Bears and Big Bend, like we could talk about it, bring awareness to it, but like how many people really care? Because I can say on my list of things I care about as far as like conservation and the things that we talk about, the Black Bears and Big Bend are not high on that list Mm -hmm. of things that I'm either going to shell out a lot of time for or that I'm going to donate money to. Right, yeah. So... It's just like you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I don't know, but I th- I did think that my whole point in bringing that conversation up is that I think William did make a good point, and I think that is something something to remember. And you know, it's just like you think about conservation groups that are doing a lot with their money. I think of Devil's River Conservancy doing a lot. Because um, they're actually lobbying, and we oh, talk to them. I yeah. mean, they're they're putting their money to work. I think that's a great conservation. But then I think about like what conservation groups on the coast are putting the money out, and you know we've heard. I I, I know about Flatsworthy. I know they're doing great things, but I don't know a lot about them. But yeah. that would be some place I could see, you know, being a resource. But then you think about other big organizations. Um. Like CCA, they were putting out awareness, but are they putting money forward and research forward and all that to, you know? I don't. I don't, know. Fe- I don't feel like it. I but I haven't looked into it either. You know, I don't want to speak one way or the other. But yeah. well, I mean, I think that was that was brought up with with Jim um, a couple episodes ago. Where yeah, you've listened to that one like four times, so you definitely five. know what Jim said. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he but he talked about it too. Is like, it, are we? Like with with the redfish program, you know, with the with stocking of redfish, is that is that is that making uh, an improvement or is that causing more of an issue? You know, because we're we're well, and that's what some conservation right. organizations that's what all their right. money goes to, right? And is stocking and tagging redfish, stocking and tagging redfish. So, and I don't know. I'm yeah. just I'm just pointing it out. You know, but it 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 does bring that it does it does it does ask a question. And that's, you know, I think the fact that it's being brought up is, is a start. But I can see the points that everyone else is making in regards to Instagram and social media as being such a big push, you know. Uh, well, you can make a post to make yourself look good. We can talk about it on the show because people might want to hear about it or we can bring, you know, I, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yes. You're in, you're in a rock and a hard place. And, and like like we like I said about my opinion of the Bears and Big Ben, like, do I care? Yes. Do I care enough to shell out money or put in time? No. Yeah. But, and not everyone is going to feel that way about oysters or whatever right. other issue pops up. So what what can you do? And um, maybe I'd be curious, uh, I think this would be some good input. I'm sure we have some listeners that have an opinion on this. and I'm And I am curious about maybe what some of y'all opinions are. I think... M- you know, that conversation with William just kind of spurred a thought and I'm still processing it. 
over time. But I'd be curious to, to hear what y'all have to say about it and what your thoughts are. Um, how should we be spending our time and how should we be spending our resources to affect real change in conservation? And if you guys want to email us, it's info at honeyholeangling.com. And if you guys like send us a really well thought out response, we'll share it on the show and we'll keep this we'll keep this conversation going. Yeah, I think it's an important conversation to get go. And also I think we really need to think about whenever we do have some sort of conservation or idea behind it, are we gonna put money behind that? Yeah, you know, our, our money where our mouth is, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it's something to consider, you know. I mean we can't do every conservation can't you know do but no and like other guests have talked about you really have to if you're gonna do money or time because time is money it is but just posting on social media is is neither yeah so like if you are you really gonna put time in and go to the meetings and write something out that you're gonna say at the meetings and send a well thought out letter to your representatives I would say that is like real time spent or like do grassroots or try to do a fundraiser. Um, I just complete, I think it's the drinking, but I just completely <laughs> lost my train of thought. You're good. But, You're but good. anyway, I, I think like this is a good conversation. I'm going to leave it on that. I think this is a good thing to kind of get the brain rolling. Like how can we actually affect? And maybe that's the real, thing. Start somewhere. Start, right. start somewhere. If you haven't written a letter, to, you know, senators, congressmen, whatever. Start. Yeah. Start. Oh, well, I remember what I was going to say. And what prior guests have said, it's hard to have your hand in 10 baskets. Yes. One or two baskets. So yeah. if you really care about something, I feel like you need to be the... Start local. Start. Start local. Start regional. Really look at the stuff that's going to affect you. And... And go from there. And I know it's not conservation, but I know all three of us do Real Recovery, mm-hmm. which is a great nonprofit organization. We put a lot of time and 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 effort in. But I'm trying to think for myself, like a conservation thing. What have I done that's like really like putting my time in or putting money in, other than like buying a membership to? Well, you've done some tr- uh, some big trash pickups. You you guys, both of y'all have done. I thought. You know, those I've little things. Yeah. trash pickups. I mean that that's again makes a difference. It, it makes a difference. That they it adds up. Mm-hmm. I I will not make fun of anyone who's going out there. No, and, and do it's something you're yeah. doing something. You're doing more than a lot of other people that go and get their their uh their hunting license and then just go go and tear it up. Yep. I bet Jim. Speaking of Jim, I bet he has some some wise words to say about it. I'd be curious to see what he has to say. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, he's he'll be listening. So Jim. Email us. Email us. Or, or record your voice. And- yeah, do a, you guys can do a voice recording too and email it to us. Yeah. That would be great. We can play it on the show. But if you guys, like, I'm serious, send send something in to us. I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this because I'm, I think my thoughts have changed and I'm thinking about them and I think that you guys could input the way that I think about conservation. So get on it. We're going to end on that. Oh, actually, we're not going to end on that. Oh, we're not. We got another question that I didn't cover, and I want to make sure we get. Then we're going to end. Uh, side by side versus an over under oh, for shotgun. Oh, I know, Gabe. I've, I've, oh, I've, I've really wanted. I thought a side by side looks awesome. Yeah, I thought they're awesome. 
And I, I was like, I'm hell-bent on getting one. I really want one. If I'm going to do it, I want to look cool. I want to get the breeks. I want to get the breeks. I want to get the tweeds. I want to get all of the, the whole thing that go with it. Uh, but then I found a really good deal in Houston on a 1993 um, Beretta uh, 686S uh, special mod. This thing is awesome. I have I've yet to find anyone else that is selling theirs. And it seemed like it was a gun that was brought over from England. And, you know, that that's where you can find a lot of them over there. You can't find very many over here. Mm-hmm. The inlay is beautiful. It's not laser engraved. It looks like it's stamped. It's just the coolest over-under shotgun. And damn it if I shoot better with the over-under than I do with the side-by-side. So I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad I bought that gun every day. I think it was the, the one of the best things I ever bought. And it's a beautiful gun, and I just think over-unders are just better than side-by-side. Side-by-sides look cool, So I did a little shooting-wise. So I've only ever shot over-and-unders. Yeah. I've shot a side-by-side one time. Yeah, and I've done, I've done several. I have a buddy who's got multiple, and that's where I've shot them, and I just was not as good but with l- it. But let me give you guys the pros, the pros of each. Okay. So for a side-by-side... Like Gabe said, they're aesthetically more elegant. <laughs> Very. 100%. A side-by-side looks better. It sawed off. Uh, exactly. <laughs> maneuverability in a tight corner with a side-by-side is a benefit. Really? Double triggers give instant barrel selection on a side-by-side. Okay. So with an over and under, you have the single trigger, so you have to set whether you want the top barrel or yeah, bottom. Yeah, it's Yep. And it's easier and faster to load with a wider gape. So when okay. you pop it open, because they're side by side, it's easier to load them than the over under. Because the bottom one's always like kind it of it is like hard it's not open. Push. Yeah, you really have to make sure you pop that thing open. Yeah, agreed. So for an over and under, the benefits are better pointability. Yeah, you feel less recoil. No oh. single siding plane. Yeah. And wider range of loads on the market. Single sighting plane. Why, is what was well, last thing? Wider range of loads on the market. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It. They're both cool. I just think that. Again, at the end of the day, the over under just seemed to fit me well, and just for what I'm doing in the application of it, it just was fine. I would say too. I would be more confident with as little as I shoot, with an over and under. Yeah. But I think, it. I think a side by side. Is going to take more practice because you don't have that single. Yeah, you have plane. to trust that you're looking down and you're. Just but I think if thing. you're like a deadly shot and you can shoot either, I think maybe a side by side would be the way to go. Just because of the cool factor, you get the cool factor, more maneuverability, and you get a faster reload. So if you're just like deadly accurate and you can teach yourself to shoot either, and you spend a lot of time shooting clays, I think if you just put a lot of time in side by side, might be the way to go. But if you're like me and you go shoot occasionally and you hunt occasionally, then probably going to be better off with the over under. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, we're doing duck hunting up here. Um, we had a place, and I would, I was just a better shot with an over under than with anything else, either a pump or even an automatic. Mm-hmm. Just something about the balance, something about how it fit. Um, but again, it's just uh, east of zone. But if if you're gonna get a side by side, I think you should just stick with it. Stick with it. Go through the the, the trials and tribulations of having to shoot that, and that when you're not when you're not very comfortable with it, just work through that. And I'm sure at the end of the day, you're gonna come out of it a better shooter. 
mm-hmm. um, and and just having a cool gun. But it, it, unfortunately, it's going to be one or the other. I don't, it's hard to jump between the two. And uh, yeah, that's just because I've I've done that and you know borrowed a buddy's gun who's side by side, and going out there and just man, it was just a rough day. You know, after shooting a over under for the longest time, mm-hmm. it just I could see that. Yeah, it's just such a, a transition between the two. But man, they're they're both cool. Just yeah, they're both cool. But something about breeks and tweeds and all of that, and your, and the matching socks with your side by side all day. Something about it. Something shooting pheasants. Shooting pheasants. <laughs> I really I want to go to England and do like their their shotgun setups where you got a guy that's literally like, you know, you're you're looking at a big hill and these things are coming over and you're like ninety degree up in the air, pulling trigger and then popping it open and the dude next to you is putting in your shells for you so you can crack Go and shoot again, <laughs> dude. It's too oh. fancy for me. Oh yeah, again with the with the with jacket, the with the tweed, the jacket, the Orvis tweed, the Orvis tweed. Oh, dude, come on! No How is that not awesome? Can't no do it blaze here. Orange over there. <laughs> no blaze over. Yeah, no proper. I want to be proper. With a cigar in the mouth. Yeah, and, and then Eric whiskey. Eric Clampton, Eric Clampton, Eric Clapton has a tweed shop where he sells suits and breeks and all of that. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> way too much money, man. Man, yeah. So I get a part, go, go get a part time job over there, so I can dress <laughs> myself to the nines. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna end the show there. This is an action packed episode. We, we skipped a lot. a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's still. We there's didn't still even do our articles. articles. We can save them for next week. Save them next week. It was good. I yeah. mean, I'm glad we're getting out. I'm glad we're getting out. Yeah, glad we, we're bringing stories. We all had eventful. I'm eventful excited for, for the sure. rest of June because I've got some other stuff planned. Summer of mixing, baby. Summer of mixing. Summer of mixing. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I guess, hey, we got, we got a new button to push today. Oh, yeah. You guys waited this whole time Here so you go. can listen to our outro. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.